You're listening to the Topco Business Unusual Podcast. Now, the Business Unusual Podcast. Learn from the greatest minds in business today. Interviews hosted by Ralph Fletcher. Learn how to improve business, get tips from industry leaders, and be motivated by real-life experience. Topco. Business Unusual. Welcome to uh, today's uh, Business Unusual podcast by Topco. Um, today I'm joined by Brett Cooper. Um, Brett's all the way from San Francisco. Love San Francisco, man. What a place. He's the author, number one selling author on Amazon and number one selling book, I think, by Entrepreneur Magazine, so- Solving the People Problem. But people don't have people problems, surely. Right, Brett? Well, pe- people have problems with people, but I'll tell you, Ralph, the people are not the problem. Uh, that, that's exactly the theme that we wanted to get to in this book, that your people problems can be solved because we have some, some frameworks and some ideas that will help people really get a, be able to work better, more effectively with the people around them, whether the leader, the direct report, your colleagues, whoever it is. We've come across some ideas over the past many years that really help people build work relationships that really work. For sure. I mean, I often try and create analogies for this sort of stuff. And I know we were talking earlier, you've got some daughters and you're married. And and obviously, you know, I've been married longer than I should have. Um, I don't know how my wife's done it. Um, (laughs) You and me both. (laughs) I've got three boys. And I tell you something, there's not a book on fatherhood that I read beforehand or being a CEO that I've read, you know, how do you become a good CEO or a good father? But a lot of the principles are fairly the same, right? You're building yeah. trust, you're trying to groom people and you're trying to see, navigate your way through. But there's so many parallels to family and, and sort of getting it wrong with your own kids, the people you love and adore sort of the most, your wife, your partner in crime, um, you're building this life with, and you mess up, right? We mess yeah. up all the time. And the kids are like, oh, God, Dad. Or you, you're like, oh, I wish I'd done that better. And, and we, we look at it and we say, well, ha- you know, we mess up at work and people sort of maybe don't take it the same sort of way. But for me, the analogy is around, listen, I love my kids and I love my wife more than anything else. And I mess up there. So please forgive me. Yeah. My intentions are all right. I mean, do you yeah. find that? Do you find that? What- As a matter of fact, we might be jumping the gun a little bit, but we've already had some conversations with some folks that solving the people problem is going to become a series because this first book that we put out is solving the people problem, essential skills you need to lead and succeed in today's workplace. So it's, it's, it's the business minded solving the people problem, but we've already had conversations for solving the people problem for parents solving the people problem for teenagers, solving the people problem for couples. And it's for exactly the same reason that you're talking about, Ralph. It's these basic ideas that we are talking about in this book and the ideas that we help people uh, embrace is really built around what we call vulnerability-based trust, right? When when we are parents, when we are in couples, at least the healthy relationships that that couples have, because we know there's <laughs> those are very healthy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that we have what we would call vulnerability based trust. In that, you know, as you highlighted, if we make a mistake, either as a parent or as a kid or as a spouse partner, 
the vast majority of times, if we make that mistake, we can step back, we can go to our partner, our kid, our parent, and we can say, you know what, I messed up, I'm sorry. And the other person typically has enough trust in you, enough caring for you to say, okay, I'm blaming the activity, but I'm not, I'm not throwing you out with, with the whole thing. And I'm not going to accuse you of being a horrible person just because you messed up. And yeah. that's the kind of idea that we really want more people in the workforce to embrace. Uh, we, yeah. we do a lot of work with um, the concepts from another book called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by a guy named Pat Gioni. <laughs> we we yeah. read the whole, the, the whole management team read it. Good oh, book. Fantastic. It's a great book, and we've actually worked with Patrick and the publisher of that book, Wiley Publishing, and created a framework for training called The Five Behaviors of a Cohesive Team. And the first behavior of cohesive teams is exactly what we're talking about. It's vulnerability-based trust. And as we talk about that, we help teams recognize that when you get into into conflict situations, there there are there are two different sides of negative conflict. Most of us think that that kind of fighting, arguing, calling each other names, that's bad conflict. So we want to stay as far away from that as possible. But if you go too far the other way, what happens is you get into what we call artificial harmony. And that's where, you know, people are afraid to speak up. You know, there's like, well, I have something to say, but I'm, I'm not even going to say it. And oftentimes when teams get into that, uh, that artificial harmony where just there, there's no discussion happening, it's, it's because there's no vulnerability-based trust among the team. People are afraid to speak up uh, because for fear of being judged or, you know, people saying, oh, that's a dumb idea or dismissing it in whatever way. And so what we find, like with parents, like with couples, if we can uh, help our leaders and our, our, our teams in organizations get really comfortable with each other and say, you know what, don't be afraid to share what's on your mind. Well, then you get away from that artificial harmony and you get more mm-hmm. into, you know, hey, we're having open dialogue. We're having what we call productive conflict where everybody's getting their ideas out on the table. And that's a good thing. And, and the great thing is if you, if you have some vulnerability-based trust, if everybody on the team is okay accepting an apology, what that allows people to do is really get into it with their ideas. And if they say something, if it goes too far, they can say, you know, I, I apologize. I, I went too far on that one. I, I pull it back. And you know that it's a, it's a legitimate apology. It's not just window dressing. So sure. the, the, the idea of vulnerability-based trust is absolutely at the core of everything that we do and what we write about in this book. It's funny. I mean, we, we were talking earlier about, you know, you're coming to Cape Town with your daughter and I was saying my son surfs and, and I couldn't help, but probably one of the moments I sort of, I, I don't know what happens, but, you know, some, some people are lucky to realize they don't know about themselves like they should, right? So I got that lucky break. Um, my son was competing in the surfing contest and he was winning some and then coming second and third and some of the others. And I was like, now I read the book Choke and I was like, no, he's got a problem uh, mentally. So I took him to a sports psychologist and he went into the top sports psychologist 
And um, he spent an hour with him. And then he said, Ralph, afterwards, I'd like to see you. And so I sat in the room and he said to me, yeah, and I take a seat. So I took a seat and he said, can you see the way you're sitting? He said, firstly, by the way, I've spoken to, to Ethan and he's just like a normal kid. Uh, you know, you're, you're fine. He's like a normal kid. But, but have you seen the way you're sitting? So I said, no, what do you mean? And so my, I was right at the edge of my seat. So it's a type A personality. I don't think he's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. And I'm like, uh, is it hard? Is it hard for people firstly to either own up or get to know what they don't know, right? Is, is that the first challenge? Like, you know, there's things we know we don't know and there's things we don't even know we don't know. And that disc profile that you talk about in the book, I mean, it's a tool. There's many others, yeah. but... Yeah, it, it, it absolutely is. As a matter of fact, I would, I would argue that is why we wrote this book. So I, I, I say we. I wrote this with my business partner, my co-author, a gentleman named Evans Kerrigan. Uh, he's the one who I started Integris with 10 years ago, and I've been working with him for 20 years. Fantastic guy. Um, very very uh, educated in this space. And the reason that we wrote this book was we kept finding again and again that people didn't really ever take the time to to think about this idea of understanding and even less so honoring the differences in how people like to communicate. So we really the overarching theme of this book is about emotional intelligence and the framework that we talk about has, has kind of two parts to, uh, to it. The first part is you have to know your own style, right? You have to know how do you communicate? Yourself. You got to know yourself, because if you do, then that, <laughs> enables, that enables you to choose your actions more wisely. And then the second part of, of the model that we, we outlined in this book is that you need to know other styles. Because if you, mm. if you know how other people see the world and communicate, that allows you to then adapt your behavior for the mutual benefit of everybody involved. Now, the, the book is primarily stories and practical application, but we do cite a number of research studies. And one of the yeah. studies that really stands out to me came a, a few years ago as a global study on workplace conflict. And one of the key findings from this study was that uh, over half of the people around the world blame the conflict that they experience at work, the negative conflict on personality differences. And yeah. if you ask me, that, that is a shocking statistic because last I checked, we all have personalities, right? I think, <laughs> I mean, that, uh, I think that survey's wrong. Oh, do you? you, you think, what do you yeah, think, it's higher? Higher, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying, right? People don't need companies, they leave managers, they leave their bosses. 100%. So and I think the other thing I was going to say to you earlier was, with that, one of the most highly researched Google trend is how to deal with difficult bosses or how to deal with difficult employees, right? So that's yeah. one of the most searched phrases. Oh. So well, people it, it, are, they're feeling this, this is pain. This is real pain that people go through daily, right? Absolutely. Uh, Gallup, the big research uh, organization Gallup recently found that managers or employees who work for managers who have low emotional intelligence, exactly what we're talking about here, Employees who work for managers with low emotional intelligence are four times more likely to leave their companies versus employees who work for managers that have high emotional intelligence. 
And I, th- I think those two things come together, right? It's, it's the, if you have high emotional intelligence, you're more likely to embrace the personality and communication differences. And, and, and really that's what we try to do is we try to take this, this idea of emotional intelligence and break the, uh, the, the negative idea that a lot of people have around emotional intelligence around because when you hear the term emotional intelligence, a lot of people go to, oh, so you're saying you want me to be emotional. You want me to be more emotional. You want me to be soft and gushy. And we're like, no, 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 no. That's not at all what we're talking about. What we're talking about here is more the scientific, your emotions versus your rational thought. Because our brains as human beings were designed to have our emotions take over whenever we are in a situation where we're, we're confronted with conflict or fear. You know, this goes all the way back to the caveman days. And if it's I'm getting fight chased, or flight. It, it's, it's exactly what it is. And if I'm getting chased by a saber-toothed tiger, you, you better believe I don't want to stop and think about it. Hmm, what should I do next? No, you got to go. And unfortunately, even though our, uh, our, our society and our business structures have evolved a great deal since caveman times, mm-hmm. our brains really haven't. So when we're sitting in the boardroom, we're sitting in a meeting room, and some of that negative conflict comes up, that fight or flight gets back into it. Our rational thoughts go out the window, and we start to react kind of from that more emotional standpoint. And going back to what you said, a lot of people don't ever take the time to really understand this kind of thing. So that, again, brings it back to this book, Solving the People Problem. When people read this book and they, they look at the model and they look at the stories, they read through the stories, they start to recognize, you know what? There's a lot of people just like me. And there are a lot of people that are just like you know Tom or Harry you know, that I can't stand at work. And you know, maybe I've been wrong about how I perceive Tom or Harry. Maybe I need to understand that they bring really good things to the workplace. And yeah, maybe it's a little annoying to me because I'm fast-paced and they're slow-paced or they're a little more reserved or you know, I'm more reserved and they're, you know, too fast-paced or or maybe they are are too uh, you know, more personal, uh, more open book. Hey, tell me about your personal life and maybe I'm a little more, you know, on the reserved private. Those are all okay personality differences. And what we need to do is we need to embrace those things and say, you know what, diversity is a good thing in our team. And let's embrace it and put it all to work. I mean, some of the things you're talking about are really important. One of the concerns that I sometimes have is that that sort of open or growth mindset versus that closed mindset, right? And so some people think, hey, listen, either I can't change this is the way I am and I was born like this and you asked me to do something that, you know, that fluffy sort of EQ thing. And, and other people's are, are like, no, well, if I get, if I try it and I get better, I mean, I, are you seeing where people, there's fundamentals where people can get better at the EQ side of things? Yeah. We, and we, are you, are you finding struggle with the people who are sort of more sort of fixed mindset that you struggle to break through there a little bit longer or, have you got tools to help them? So, so we do, we do absolutely see it. This, this is a struggle for a lot of people. And for most of the people that we work with, it's 
it's an education. It's a, it's a lack of understanding problem. It's not a hard problem to solve. So one of the really great things about emotional intelligence that is different than kind of normal IQ intelligence, normal IQ intelligence, you know, it's, it's relatively fixed. We're born with it, right? You got the genes or you didn't. And you know, it, it's a crapshoot. Emotional intelligence is really just a skill set. It's an, it's an understanding. How much do you understand yourself and how much do you understand others? So it's very malleable. It's very learnable. And that's what we try to do in this book. And as you already pointed out, Ralph, we talk a lot about a personality tool in this book called DISC. So DISC is an acronym. It stands for the four kind of major styles that we as people have. Uh, those four styles are dominance, influence, steadiness, and conscientiousness. And so those four main styles, they're, they're basically evenly distributed throughout the population. So we got 25% in each one of those. And this DISC model actually goes back to the 1920s. There was a guy named William Marston that created this framework. Uh, he was a... Um, you know, kind of a compatriot with Carl Jung, Sigmund Freud. It's when the, you know, psychology was just really getting going. So the idea around DISC is over 100 years old, but the tools around DISC have really evolved. Matter of fact, just this year, we launched a brand new online platform that we call Catalyst because it really is a culture catalyst. And what we do with Catalyst is we have everybody on a team or in an organization they take this assessment, takes about 15, 20 minutes, and it identifies kind of where they're, what kind of style they have, looking at, you know, are you fast-paced and outspoken, or are you more cautious and reflective? Are you accepting and warm of new people and new ideas, or are you a little more skeptical? So it looks at those spectrums, and it plots you, and it gives you an idea of, okay, well, what kind of this style are you? But the really and cool could, and, thing, oh yeah, and could the And could the guys on the podcast listening, could they go and test this out? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the best place to get more information about this is the website for the book, which is solvingthepeopleproblem.com. And we actually have a, a lot of information about Catalyst on there. But uh, what I was going to say is the, the, the beautiful thing. So there have been DISC assessments out for a long, long time. What is fantastic about this new Catalyst platform is that once we have the team or everybody in the organization actually take their DISC assessment, when they go to the online platform, what they see is what we call a colleague directory. So everybody on the team or everybody on the organization, their name and their photo, if they want to put it up, shows up there. And if you double click on any one of your colleagues, what comes up is not just here's what their disc style is, but it also shows here's what your disc style is and here's how the two of you are likely to interact. So it goes into things like, if you guys are having tension, what might be causing that? How, are you, how do you see the world? How does the other person see the world? And it just gives you all these tips that are fantastic for you know, leaders and their direct reports or colleagues working together on a team, even project teams that maybe are working together for the first time, it's a great way to get those insights. And what we say is, you know, it's the starting point. It's not about looking at, well, what does the assessment tell you and taking that as gospel and just saying, oh, well, Ralph, this says that you like it when I talk mm -hmm. fast, so I'm gonna talk fast. But we use it as, hey, Ralph, 
this says you like it when we talk fast. Do you? It, let's talk about that. And it, it fosters these conversations. And it goes back to what we opened this conversation about, which it builds that trust between team members. And it helps them understand, hey, how do you like to communicate? You can understand how I like to communicate. And if we both try just a little bit for the mutual benefit, if, if I try to come to you a little bit, and you try to come to me a little bit, next thing you know, we have just improved the way we can work together tenfold. Productivity goes up, effectiveness goes up, and employee engagement goes up. And all the research these days shows that when people are engaged at work, all the other numbers get better. Customer service gets better. Profitability gets better. Um, so we see it as just a win-win. For sure. And, and Brett, is there a, like a better disc profile than the others? I mean, I is probably the best, right? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> couple, couple of eyes talking here. <laughs> I was going to ask, what do you think I am? Yep, yep, yep. No, and if we were two C's talking, we would, you would have said C's yeah, would be the, the best, best, right? right? Absolutely. Like, it has to be. Yep. You know, and, and it's funny. It's, uh, you know, and I am, I, I, I embrace the, you know, having fun with it. So, you know, if, if you want to think that your style is just a little bit better than everybody else, you know, go ahead. But, but when it gets yeah. into a team situation, you really need to throw that, throw that out the window and recognize that everybody brings something different. So just, yeah. just in case anybody listening isn't really familiar with what disc is, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of explain the four styles. For sure. So, so disc uh, uh, D people, the dominance people, these are the people that are, are fast-paced and they're a little more skeptical. They're results-driven. You might think of these as A-type personalities. They're, they're people that kind of cut to the chase. They're fast. Let's go. They, they don't tend to uh, take a lot of time worrying about people's feelings and things like that. And, and they're, it's not that they don't care about feelings necessarily. There's probably some days saying, yeah, I don't care about feelings. But it's not necessarily they don't care about feelings. It's just they're, they're trying to get to results, right? They're trying to be yeah. fast and quick-winded. Eyes, which is where you and I both sit, Ralph. We, we also have that fast pace, but we're a little bit more on the collaborative side. We care a little bit more about relationships. We put a little more emphasis on, well, what do others think or want than those Ds? But we're still really fast paced. We love to get enthusiastic about ideas. Uh, we love to meet new people, kind of life of the party kind of you know, attitude. The S's, which are steadiness types, well, they are people-focused people, kind of like the eyes, but they're the more reserved people-focused people. So they're the people that like to be a little more supportive of others. They don't like change nearly as much yeah. as the eyes. They're I noticed. Right? And then the I've C. Got, I've got them in my life. Oh, do you? My, my, do brother's, you? my brother's one. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's okay. so funny because I used to get frustrated. I was like, we've got to move forward. And he was like holding me back. And, and then you realize... <laughs> And, and a funny thing is, I think I've done the disc profiling. Yep. And my wife's the, the so my wife's the S. My brother's also an IS. Okay. She goes to C. So she adapts because you can adapt, right? For work yeah. and for natural. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I used to run all the meetings. And then I think we realized, no, it's not good for me to run the meetings. My, my brother started running the meetings. And so then I could ask questions. And he's told me, you know, you can't ask so many questions anymore. Let other people ask questions. So it's, it's, it's funny how you've had to 
you 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 adapt uh, you adapt to the, each you other's adapt. to each other's strengths as well, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Matter of fact, um, so I'll, I'll I'll get to C in just a second. So, but since we're having yeah. this conversation about the I and the S, so Evans, my business partner, is an S. And one thing that we've learned through our twenty years of working together is that me, I, I, I as an I influence style. I'm what we call a talk it through leader. So when we're in meetings, I, you know, I come up with an idea and I want to get it out there to discuss. I haven't thought it through entirely yet. The process of talking it out is what helps me think it through. Um, so I'm a talk it through kind of a leader. Evans, as an S and probably like your brother, Ralph, he's probably more of a, of a think it through. Right, we put something out there, and he says, "Okay, let's let's come back to this tomorrow because I need to let it <laughs> and percolate." And you know, neither one of those is right or wrong. Uh, you know, I used to really get frustrated because when, when I was uh, talk it through and I was working with think it through kind of people, and I'm like, "Why can't we just yeah. talk this through?" Yeah. But I've co- I've come to realize, well, they don't process things that same way, yeah. and there's nothing that says that my way or their way is better. It's just different. And might as well understand that difference and embrace it. So Evans and I do a lot of balancing between sometimes we talk it out right there and other times I shut up and say, let's come back the next day. <laughs> now, before we get too far off of this, Ralph, let me, let me also, let me close out the disc cir- circle there. Do, 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 do. Because the C is the C are the conscientiousness yeah. people. And we need so, them. We, we absolutely. These are the folks that really focus on getting things right. They dot yeah. the I's, they cross the T's, and yeah. they're, they're, they're much more measured, right? They need all the details. You and I, as I styles, probably go, all right, we got enough of the information. Let's just move. C's, on the other hand, will balance us out because they will say, well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And nine times out of 10, it's like, no, I, I haven't. <laughs> so thanks for bringing that up. But those C's are really misunderstood a lot because they're very private people. You know, they, they yeah. don't, they're not the kind of people that come in on Monday morning and say, so how was your weekend? You know, they're the folks that say, I had a weekend. Now let's get to work. And, uh, but, but they bring a skill set and a, a perspective, a point of view that really is something that we need. So uh, I really do truly believe that every one of those disc styles, D-I-S-C, or even if you're a blend uh, of them, everyone is valuable. Everyone is needed. Everyone can be a leader. A lot of people think you got to be that D to be a leader. We work with all mm-hmm. kinds of people that are C's and S's and are fantastic leaders. They lead differently. They lead through showing they care or through making sure it's right. They don't lead through, you know, uh, you know, personality. Um, and that's, that's perfectly fine. And uh, everybody can be successful as a leader, regardless of what kind of style you are. So that's, that's the disc model. That's good, eh? So I, I noticed also that the C's when you do that check-in before a meeting, like, you know, how's everybody's weekend or share some good news. They definitely don't want to share that. No, that, that part of their life, they're quite happy to, and you sort of like, what's wrong or whatever. No, that's just us. We just, um, and, and I noticed a lot of the sales team as well, similar sort of thing. They, they say, I struggle to create rapport with people. Like, I don't know, I want to have this small talk. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's that's interesting. It, it absolutely is. And, and that's that, that struggle is, is, is largely 
through everything we're doing with solving the people problem, that, that struggle that people have with different styles, which, which goes back to the Gallup thing that says, you know, over half of the people say, this is where I have conflict at work. It's all around creating some understanding because I know, I know for me, as a, when I was a younger sales guy, I, you know, I was like a bull in a China, China shop. I would just blah, 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 you know, and just go, go, go. When I started to work with a C or an S type, especially even a client, I was, I was really ineffective with them because I, you know, when we weren't connecting my, what, what I thought I should do is, well, I better turn it up a little bit. I, I'm not connecting with this person. So maybe I'm not being personable enough. <laughs> I, I, I need to. I need to turn on the energy. And I mean, it's seven o'clock in the morning here where I am right now, Ralph. I mean, this, I'm just getting warmed up. I'm on my first cup of coffee and I'm already like this. You know, can can you imagine me saying, oh, I need to turn it up a little bit and sitting across from a, a, you know, a C or an S now. And, and, you know, that talk about losing the sale. Um, so, so I've learned, you know, Hey, there are times when I need to turn up and there are times when I need to turn it down. And I mean, looking back at your career, I mean, I know that you're at Monster and you were their partnership manager and that really sort of stood out for me, but then also listening to what you're doing at the moment with these collaborations and you talk about collaboration partnerships, but it's the same thing, right? I think success in general is comes from a collaboration or partnership in many ways in a marriage. It's about collaborating in a business. It's the same thing. So if you're leaning on one of those pillars, you, you, you're shortchanging yourself, the organization and everything else. And, you, you know, we were talking earlier about some of the podcasts that I've been doing. And a lot of the, the successful startups are those that come with a partnership of people who are different. They're diverse in their thinking and they support one another because they've got these different pillars or these different sort of legs that they lean on. How yeah. important are you finding that this whole partnership and through that experience with Monster? Oh, it's, it, it, it's ultimate. It, it's it's you know, gone are the days where most people will have these individual contributor jobs for their career and just, you know, hey, leave me alone. I'm doing my job. Uh, there are certainly some of those out there, but more and more, you have to work with other people in an integrated, collaborative team approach. Um, you know, whether it's people on your own team inside your organization or, you know, if you're working with outside customers or outside partners. So the idea around really understanding how to work with people is more important than it was 20 years ago. And I would argue in 20 years, it's going to get more important. Um, there's so much that, you know, technology, artificial intelligence, you know, that, that, that technology can do these days that we used to rely on people to do. Some of that, yeah. some of the manual processes... We don't need as many people doing that kind of work. We need people interacting and deciding and collaborating because that's something that thankfully AI isn't quite there yet. Some of the stuff I've seen is pretty scary. So it might get there in the not too distant future, but it's not there yet. And so if we can collectively uh, as, as uh, business people, if we can get better at working with others, Yep. We're going to be more productive and we're going to be more effective and more efficient. So it's, it, it's, you know, it's, it's a good thing for business and it's a good thing for us as individuals as well. And you can wake up on Mondays feeling a little bit less anxious about getting to work because yeah. 
you can work with people. I mean, I did a podcast as one of the guys, and he was saying to me, he's it's a it's a digital organization tech company, mm-hmm. and he's saying, and so you expect them to you leverage, and he does really well, you know, digital assets, marketing, that sort of stuff, SEO, and he was saying that's actually only giving him linear growth. What he's seeing with exponential growth is through partnerships and obviously partnering with big businesses. But it's the same principle, right? You know, one of our values as a company is one plus one equals three. And that's under our teamwork analogy. And I truly believe that that's the case. So this, the idea of this tool is by understanding yourself and then by understanding other people, you can have a a far more, maybe guilt-free, you don't have to judge, be so judgy or point so many fingers. What, what, what's the, I don't know, what's the, it takes the pressure off you? Or, it does. I, I don't know. It, yeah, I no, it, 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 go ahead. I, I think there was that saying, and I say it to, the, to my children all the time, maybe they get bullied or something happens at school or something, and I just say, hey, listen, there's only one person who can change that person, and that's not you. There's only one person you can change, and that's you. That's right. You can't change other people. You can only change you, right? You can only change you, but I would argue that you can change how you interact with others if you understand how that other person is looking at the world. Um, matter of fact, here, so something that everybody listening can do right now for free will take you 10 minutes to do. If they go to solvingthepeopleproblem.com and they look for the link that says, what's my disk EQ? They can take an emotional intelligence survey that will, as soon as they finish, they will get a personalized report back that will tell them in those areas of knowing your own style and choosing your actions wisely and knowing other styles and uh, adapting your behavior for mutual benefit. In those areas, it will give you a score of where you rank um, uh, based on everybody else who we've had do this. We've had several thousand people do this already. It'll give you kind of a low, medium, high, but that's not the important part. And that's not the exciting part. What the exciting part is, no matter where you come in as a low, medium, high, the report gives you some very personalized tips on, hey, here's something you can do to better understand yourself or better understand other people. So just by going to solvethepeopleproblem.com and taking this, this survey, it's, it's an opportunity for everybody who's listening to self-reflect, hold up a little mm-hmm. bit of a mirror, and increase their emotional intelligence just a little bit. We, we've had a number of organizations give this to everybody on their team. And, and that you know anybody who's listening can totally use it in that way. Um, it is access code uh, protected. But since we're on the Business Unusual podcast, let's give the access code of unusual. And so if anybody just types in the access code unusual, they will be able to get that Disk EQ uh, survey for free and they can share it with anybody they want. So my whole team, I can send it to them and I can go fill in. Absolutely. Unusual. Yep. Have everybody go to solvingthepeopleproblem.com, click on the what's my Disk EQ link, have them insert the access code unusual, and then everybody can take it. And, and what we have a number of organizations doing is, you know, everybody takes it, they, they read their report, but then in the next, the next team meeting, whether it's actually a, uh, an in-person meeting or these days, what we're doing here, a Zoom meeting, review it, talk about it, you know, share some things. This will start that conversation of deepening the trust that you have on your team. And I don't care where you are. 
if you have what well, you think you have a high trust team or you think you have a low trust team, if you have a conversation about what this report tells you, you're going to get to that next level as far as trust goes. You will understand your team members just a little bit more, which means that you will be able to change how you interact with them to be more productive. And you can hope that they will alter their uh, behavior just a little bit so that when they interact with you, you're able to uh, be more productive as, uh, you know, as a pair or as a team. So, I mean, I was reading the book. I, I love that, by the way. And I think that um, we've done some things like that before and it really works because you can have it some does. really good fun and engagement. And, and I think you can laugh at yourself and you can laugh at one another and then you can, and because everybody's involved, it becomes almost like your little joke, internal little joke. Yeah. But yeah. when I was reading the book, one of the things that really stood out for me was, I think it was yourself, you, you got in a chair and you asked everybody to say mm. something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something I, I liked about you and something that they thought that you're not so strong at, right? And it was yeah, the so, same thing, right? <laughs> yeah, well, so, so, so yeah, so it's, it's an exercise called the appreciation seat. And, and actually, I would recommend this for any leader who is listening now. I would say, use this exercise with your team when you have a chance. Again, it's called the appreciation seat and it's a real easy exercise you can do. You can do it over Zoom or you can do it in person. And what the appreciation seat is, it, you uh, you take turns going around the team and everybody on the team at one point sits in the, you know, what, what we would call the appreciation seat. And what we do is we have everybody else on the team go around and give two pieces of feedback to the person who's in the appreciation seat. The first is, hey, here's something that you do that really helps the team move forward. You know, you, 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 it's, it's, it's something that I really want you to keep doing because it's good for us. And then the other thing, the other piece of feedback that they give is uh, productive feedback, right? What you might call constructive criticism. And, and it should be in, in that way. It's, it's not meant to be hurtful, but it's meant to be, hey, here's something that you do that, you know, kind of slows us down once in a while. And so the story that you're talking about, Ralph, I was in that appreciation seat a couple of years ago. I feel ago. like I was there with you. Yeah. <laughs> well, 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 then that means that we did right by the story because, we, as you know, we tried to tell a lot of personal stories as well as have other people tell personal stories. But in this case, so I was sitting in the appreciation seat and one of my colleagues, a woman named Renee, came to me and said, start off and said, you know, Brett, the thing that you do that really moves us forward is you're always ideating. You know, you're, you're thinking about the new ideas. Where do we need to go? You're pushing us forward. And that's right in line with my, my eye, my influence disc personality style, right? So, uh, so she said, you know, that's great. Keep doing that. Then she said, you know, Brett, the thing that you do though, sometimes that slows us down is you're always ideating. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> around the table just starts laughing because we all knew exactly what she meant, but she did continue. She said, you know, we, we start getting to work on, on some project, likely an idea that you came up with. And so now we're trying to get into the weeds. We're trying to make it, you know, implement it. But you're already now on to the next big idea. And when you come back in with that, uh, it slows us down because now you're trying to pull us off of getting the job done. And so for me, I'll tell you, in that exercise, my emotional intelligence, is, I'm kind of like the Grinch. Uh, remember the Grinch at the end of the Grinch Soul Christmas when his heart grew three times that day? Well, that day, yeah. my emotional intelligence grew three times because I, it, it was a blinding flash of the obvious. It was, yeah. wow, 
I'm using my strength, but I'm overusing my strength. And that makes it become a weakness. And that's true for so many of us, yeah. right? If you yeah. are a D and you're, in, you're, you're driving for results, that's great. But if you overuse it, people feel hurt. You feel like you're, uh, people feel like they're getting run over. If you are a, uh, an S type, a, a steadiness type, and you're supportive of other people and you're deferring to other people, that's really helpful for a team. But if you overuse that, next thing you know, you're getting walked on. If you're a yeah. C and you know, you're, you're staying private and you're focused on the details, that's good, but you could drive too far into analysis paralysis and never actually get to a decision. So every one of us, if we use our strengths too much, if we overuse them, if we don't have enough emotional intelligence to recognize we've gone too far, it can become a, a negative for us and for our team. Yeah. I mean, on a personal note, I, I was a, a bit of a desk jockey and I thought I'd get fit and I started doing triathlons and I realized I had this little, I don't know, maybe gift or whatever. I don't know what it was. Good trainer, good yeah. training program. And I sort of won some competitions. Then I went to Worlds and about a year and a half ago when I went to San Francisco, I was in Hawaii and, and I came fifth, like I, I cramped up, I was coming third actually and I cramped up on the run. But when I got back into South Africa, I got shingles. Oh. And it was one of those moments, it was an O moment because I thought I was Superman. I was working hard, traveling the world, coming, going to worlds. But what I didn't realize was that this gift that I had of, uh, and people say, why do you win or how? And I was like, ah, oh, trainer or whatever. But I think actually what it was, was that I was able to put aside pain for a period mm. and push through. And I think what, what ended up happening when I got that shingles is I realized that my strength had become an actual weakness. I hadn't, I'd lost that, that, that sense of, of touch with myself, mm. of understanding when my body was saying enough's enough, like, okay, hold up. And I think COVID has sort of shown that as well to a large degree. It's, it's that, and again, it's that self-awareness. Like you can keep pushing, but sometime you're going hit to hit a wall. And that's what I say about, I suppose, challenges in life, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, did, did, you, did you see them wake up and make some changes? They're probably happening all the time. <laughs> Yeah, I tell you, COVID has has held up a mirror to so many people, uh, and especially you know we do a lot of work with leaders, and the idea around helping leaders understand how to work more effectively with their team. The second that we all went home and had to manage through Zoom, you know, through phone calls, through email that changes the interpersonal dynamic. And so we've had a lot of leaders who have really struggled to make that gap, especially the leaders that their connection with their workers were, uh, was based on you know, that interpersonal, hey, you know, we meet at the proverbial water cooler, whether that's going out to lunch, whether it's you know, being face-to-face -face in the meeting. And they've had to relearn some ways to connect with others. And quite honestly, that's where this, that tool that I was talking about, that catalyst yeah. tool has really come yeah. into great, uh, uh, effect because what leaders can do is they can get some insights into the people that they work with and they can use that to find you know, better ways to connect even though we're not face-to-face, belly-to-belly. So those tools give those insight. I mean, I mean, it's one of the things, so some people are probably thinking, is this disc thing real? Is it just a phase? Is it like a fad like 
Six Sigma or Lean, you know, where's it going? But from my perspective, what I'm seeing is my interactions with guys in the States is the top companies, the very best organizations are really making an investment because it's an investment to really understand their, their team before they even recruit now. So there's, they've got all these profile and checks and balances and skills, but now they're actually defaulting to the disc before they make that assessment to actually hire people. I mean, this is... Right. In the States, this is a really, really big business opportunity for people to lean on something with some insight. Absolutely. I would, I would argue one of the, uh, the most drastic changes in business over the last 30 years is this move from hard skills as the number one thing you need to what, we, what some people call soft skills. We call them essential skills. We call them emotional and social skills. Um, I, I got an MBA, geez, 30 years ago, 25 years ago. And You're giving it away uh, now. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. You, you don't look that old. Yeah, well, uh, there's, yeah, yeah. hey, the, yeah. I, I, I have a filter. I, I have a filter on my camera here. <laughs> but, but back when I, so I went, I went to New York University for my MBA and I got an MBA in finance, but I took management classes and I took finance classes and accounting classes and things like that. But there wasn't much emphasis on interpersonal communication. There wasn't a whole lot of uh, 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 emphasis on teamwork and collaboration and, you know, these kinds of things. It was the hard skills of, you know, of marketing, of strategy, of operations. And those are great skills to have, uh, no question. But, Today, if you look at every survey of top executives that say, you know, hey, what kind of skills do you need in your workforce? Rising to the top are collaboration, emotional intelligence, you know, these things that, that we, again, used to call soft skills, but now we just call them social skills, emotional skills. Because again, it goes back to what we've talked about so many times. If you can't build trust with people, if you can't collaborate with people on your team, because teamwork is so important now, it doesn't matter how good you are at marketing, at operations, at accounting, at strategy. If, if you can't work with people, you are going to be in really big trouble. Matter of fact, one of the uh, organizations over here that is, uh, 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 has been really instrumental in helping emotional intelligence come to light uh, over the years is a company called Talent Smart. And they do a lot of research. And one of their pieces of research says that the emotional intelligence skills that people have is uh, uh, responsible for 60% of your career success. Two times more impactful than either technical skills or even your intelligence. So basically what their research says is if you can understand people, if you can you know, understand how you come across to the world and you can you know, kind of flex and work more effectively with other people, it doesn't matter really you know, how smart you are, how skilled you are. You're going to be able to figure things out in a way that other people aren't. Is it, is it true? I mean, when we, we did the Future of HR Summit, and I think one of the things that came up is that it seemed that women are naturally endeared with more empathy um, and EQ than men. Are you seeing that? Is that true? And, and how, I mean, are, are the tools there in the diagnostics to showcase how these leaders, what they can do and how they can engage and connect with people they don't maybe understand? Yeah, the, de definitely the, uh, the across the board, we see that women tend to have a little more empathy than, than the guys do. 
Um, and so, yeah, when we, when we start working with some of these kinds of things, uh, very frequently, the women on the team are able to embrace this uh, more quickly than others. Uh, that said, um, first of all, I will tell you, we've had plenty of women who have struggled with it just as much as men. Uh, but, but, but more importantly, I will say that when you look at the disc styles in the four, the four styles, the D-I-S-C, there is, there's really no statistical difference in men and yeah. women in what style they are. I, I think that empathy is more around, you know, just the societal norms that we've had forever around, yeah. you know, what, you know, what do we expect out of men? What do we expect out of women? I mean, as, as little kids, boys are, you know, we're, we're expected to be more, all right, drive, don't show your emotions, you know, boys don't cry, that kind of For stuff, sure. you know, um, and, and a lot of that. Don't be vulnerable. You, you can't don't be, be vulnerable. vulnerable. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the, the main thing of leadership now is to be vulnerable. We're told, hey, like, uh, and is that the challenge? Is it, is it not learning these new things? Is it first unlearning yeah. our own bad habits? So, like, that's why the self-first, no oneself learn the bad habits you have because i find that's the hardest thing for me right is that yeah. i get stressed or something happens and i have this intention and then i'm like oh ralph you bloody did it again and i mean do you do you do you have tools of like how people can improve on that sort of stuff i mean that's covered a lot in the book as well well it, it is and and it's it, it's human nature that when the stakes get high when the pressure gets on we kind of fall back to, you know, some of our, our, you know, what, what oftentimes are bad habits. What we find is that through the kind of education, you know, through reading books like Solving the People Problem, through taking surveys like that one that you can get at solvingthepeopleproblem.com, what we find is that people become more aware and they be, start to become a little more diligent, a little more cognizant about their behavior. And it doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes. I, as a leader, I make mistakes. It, I, I, as a father, make mistakes, right? There are times when I have really messed up with, uh, with my daughters. However, by becoming more aware of these things and by, by actually dedicating effort to trying to be better, one thing that I'm able to do, and actually now my, my, uh, my daughter who's coming over to South Africa, she does this all the time. You know, she, she will snap at me, right? If she's in a bad mood, something, she'll snap. But what she does, maybe hours later, maybe the next day, she will come back to me and she will say, you know what? I apologize. I kind of overstepped there. I, you know, I was, I was in a bad mood. Doesn't make it right. But because we have that vulnerability-based trust, I will accept her apology. And I would argue the same thing can happen with all of us at work. It doesn't mean that you're not going to cross the boundary. It doesn't mean that you're not going to make a mistake. You know, earlier on, I was talking about the two sides of conflict where you have the all out, you know, uh, calling names conflict, but then you have the artificial harmony. As teams work to push past artificial harmony and get where, hey, I'm getting my ideas out there. When you get your ideas out there, oftentimes you get passionate. And when you get passionate, sometimes you go too far. But if the team has that, that trust with each other, just like with our personal relationships. If you overstep your bounds, if you go a little too far, you can step back and you can say, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm sorry. I apologize. I made a mistake. Please forgive me. And the team can move on. So, uh, you know, it, 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 as you opened up with, 
it works in business and it works in personal life. For sure. So on that note and talking about your daughter, and I know you're also coming to Cape Town, you're going to the Kruger. So I don't know, maybe there's some people who want to get hold of you when you're here. I don't know if you like turning your phone off or if you're up to seeing people. I'd love to invite you around the house. We live in Comiki, uh, show you around maybe. So um, you know, if people want to get in touch with you as well, they can. Uh, we'll send a link on the podcast to your LinkedIn profile as well. Yeah, we'll go to the- your website. When are you coming? Yeah, when are you coming? That was the, the question I was going to ask. Ah, so I'm, I'm uh, uh, going to be coming over at the end of next month. Uh, masked yeah. up, socially distanced, uh, vaccinated. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, Bring you know, some the, vaccines. We need them. There you go. There you go. Yeah. yeah you know, the, uh, this, this, so everybody knows this is not just a, hey, we're doing a vacation. The reason we're doing this is my daughter is doing a volunteer project where she is working at a, um, uh, an elementary school for a couple of weeks doing a volunteer program uh, in one of the uh, towns outside of Mus- Cape Town. Musenberg. Okay, so outside yeah. of... Okay. Yeah, so she's staying in Musenberg. Uh, I don't know where the actual school is. Uh, they, have, they haven't told us the, the, the exact school yet. Uh, it's outside of Musenberg. Um, but we'll be staying in Musenberg. And uh, I figure if my daughter's coming over there um, and I'm sending her halfway around the world, uh, she, she needs a chaperone and really... Yeah, no, that, man. That, Dad needs to go on a safari is what needs to happen. So, yeah. so I'm coming over a week early and I'm actually going to be around Cape Town the week of the 26th. And I, heck, if, if there are opportunities to, to chat with people while I'm over there, um, I would love to do it. Um, best way to get in touch with me, either hit me up on LinkedIn, which I'm Brett M. Cooper, uh, or you can go to solvingthepeopleproblem.com and my contact information is on there. My email address is on there. I think my LinkedIn link is from there as well. So if people are already, you know, they got, we, we've hammered this book name into people, but you know, if you go to solvingthepeopleproblem.com, they could reach me there too. And if, yeah, if, if, you know, if you have something going on the week of uh, April 26th, let me know. And if, if you're available, Ralph, I'd love to get together with you. Yeah, for sure. You'll love Comicky. It's around the corner from Musenberg. So okay. uh, for sure. For sure. We'll invite you to the office. You can see this place. I can see it. Yeah. Maybe maybe we can talk about the, you know, the future of HR conferences when, uh, you know, I I think you're doing them virtually right now. Uh, If there's anything I can be part of that, that would be great. Of course, once it gets back to live events, you know, pre-COVID, the vast majority of my time was, hey, we're at a conference. We're doing a keynote speech. (laughs) That all all went away. That all went away. So. Anyway, Brett, it was really great catching up with you. Thanks so, so much for the time. It would be cool to see you in Cape Town. Maybe grab a surf. I've got a couple of extra surfboards or logs, awesome. whatever you want. Awesome. And, um, yeah, thanks for, your, for, for sharing your time. And thanks for those links. Hopefully, everybody gets that value from them. Absolutely. It's been absolutely my pleasure, Ralph. Thanks so much. Cheers, my man. Cheers.